And so with a powerful shout of acclamation, let us please welcome our senior minister to speak to us this morning. Hooray! Hip, hip, hip! Hooray! Wow. Awesome. Best introduction ever. Good morning, everybody. Albert and Mary, the last time I was in that kind of prayer was in Nigeria, Lagos, with Reinhard Bonnke and a million people on a field stirring up in prayer. And uh, come on, I love it, I love it. God's on the place, amen. Isn't God good? Uh, a little note of thanks first. Some of you might know that our family have been kind of homeless, caught between houses since uh, December, middle of December. And um, the good news is, I think it's going to be five houses in two and a half months we've been in. It's been chaos, but we get the keys this Friday. Oh, and then we'll be fully in on Monday. Thank you, everybody that's lent us houses and garages and sheds and all your notes of thanks and text. Um, it is good to be part of a family. Uh, there's no family like the body of Christ. Amen. So thank you. I really appreciate that. But... Uh, we should stop looking so traumatized soon. Okay, so praise God, we're there. Right, you got a Bible? Genesis chapter 2. Let's head there today. Genesis 2, and so you'll know roughly what the story is going to be because it's so early in the Bible, it's the easy bits. If I said to you, we're going to turn to Habakkuk, you'd go, I wonder what he's going to talk about, but Genesis is a bit easier. Genesis 2, thus, oh, I've got a new preacher's Bible. I mean, look at this. Enough to choke a donkey, right? That's what. So come on, we're going to do some, uh, some good stuff this morning. Um, Genesis 2, the thing is, it's, I didn't realize when I bought it, it's old King James. So I'm reading these and those, but I won't make you hear them. I'm going to be translating what I read as I go through. But anyway, uh, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested. He rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day. And here's the first thing that God ever made holy. He sanctified 24 hours in the week. There's a thought. He set apart a portion of time and made it different. Here's a thought. Now, it doesn't have to mean that, well, Sunday might be your Sabbath, but it isn't mine. <laughs> I, I work on Sundays. So it's not a particular day, but there is time that should be holy and it will change your life when you recognize it. Amen? So we don't need to get into religion about it and we'll open up a little bit about that. But uh, God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, made it holy, made it set apart and different because he rested from all his work which God created and made. I want to talk for a little bit this morning on the power of the pause. I don't mean bear pause. You know what I'm saying, pause. Everybody say the power of pausing. There's something about knowing when to pause that's really powerful. And in fact, if we have an inability to pause, wouldn't you say, come on, amateur psychologist with me, there's something wrong with people that can't stop. Come on, work with me. They're getting something from what they do that perhaps... 
maybe a big hug from Heavenly Father might solve. Uh, where does a lot of our drivenness come from? Maybe a little bit of something not solved deep down. But here's a good life. It's like music, isn't it? Um, obviously, my background is in music. One of the most powerful things about music is learning to play the rests. The pauses are as important as the notes. And so learning when to pause and how to pause and in the case of this morning's message, why to pause and what it will do will help our lives be more and more powerful. So let me talk a little bit about the power of pausing. And you can take it personally. Uh, you, you know, have a little health check this morning. Am I pausing right? Who would say that quite a lot of us, even though we know kind of the COVID period, if you're wondering, they're going to a crèche out there, so if you do need it, if you are about to cry, Ian and Lynn, just, you, you can go, there's tissues and you can still hear the message. Uh, no, a, any young kids out there, feel free to take them or disruptive husbands, just take them out there, that's fine. <laughs> there's something powerful about learning to pause. And what was I saying? We're coming out of COVID and um, I know a lot of us might be desperate to get back to normal. And a lot of normality's back, isn't it? But if you notice, there's actually a lot of scarring still in the souls of our kids and maybe we don't want to admit it, but in the souls of the grown-ups too. It's been a very, very strange three years and we're coming up to three years next month. And I think that's important because right at the beginning of COVID, uh, in that March, I was saying to all my prophetic friends, oh, come on, Lord, let this be over by September. And they were all going, it's gonna be three years. And I'm like, no, do you remember that time? That's like the worst word in the world, but we're here. Next month, it will have been three years. And I believe there's been a, an unusual period of time, especially when you talk to prophetic ministries that are trying to pray with all their fallibility and work out. So what's God saying in this season? And lots have lined up to say, it has been a three-year adjustment season. And so we've got we've to know what God's doing. Um, but in our desperation to get back to normal, I think some of us perhaps want to run when we've still got to actually work out how to walk. Uh, and if we run too fast too soon, because we feel like we've been in the, what is it? He, he, horses that race, what is it they're locked into before they can jump out? The gate. We've been behind a gate and then it's, now it's time. Oh, we could travel international holidays, anybody? I mean, I did one last, when did I go on holiday? Last May, I think it was, Corfu. Oh, finally, the Mediterranean sun. It was blooming awful. Everything was COVID rules. I've never been to an all-inclusive restaurant in a mask before. And all the things I'd read online about what it would be like, it wasn't. Because who knows that every restaurant, every hotel is different. So we're hungry for normality. You're putting me off, you're leading me astray. I didn't mean to talk about my Greek holidays. Um, we want normality, but also I believe we need wisdom in this time so that we walk out of it strong and not rush out of it and injure ourselves. So, I, and I believe one of those things is the power of the pause to go, let's reassess, let's look at our lives. Are we really going where we want to go? And let me give you 17 reasons, no, five reasons why you're gonna to wanna to pause in life. And you must, as you come out of these difficult three years, rebuild wisely and don't try and have seven days a week making up for lost time. 
God promises he will make up for your lost time. Everything the locust has eaten, he'll give you back. If you've lost three years, why don't we say this morning, God, we want three extra years tapped on the end of our lives because of that nonsense. Come on, somebody, let's get revenge. Our God is the one who's in control of the times and seasons. So I remember Selwyn Hughes, when he got ill years ago and he went before God and he didn't just randomly say, God, heal me. He said, God, give me 10 more years. And God said, okay, I'll give you 10 more years. And he got them. And then he went to be with the Lord, which is a reward in the kingdom of God, not a punishment. (laughs) In other words, whatever happens, we win, right? So let me give you five reasons. Number one, you need to pause because it's the only way to have perseverance in your life. Say perseverance, perseverance. In 2019, before all of this hit, uh, our family went to, we went to Australia and to Singapore, 2019, before anybody had ever heard of COVID, unless you're reading a bottle of Detox or something like that, where I think it had some of the old descriptions of that kind of stuff on it. And we were coming back from Australia after a month out there. Zach was 10 years old. And uh, I mean, Australian jet lag is proper jet lag. If somebody says, I've come back from Spain and I've got jet lag, you need to tell them, you don't know what jet lag is. You're just tired. When you come back from Australia or vast time differences, you got proper jet lag. So we found ourselves in Singapore and we had that kind of, we had two nights in a hotel there. So we had one big day in between. And uh, what we do, our family, when we do city breaks, does anybody else do this? We will just walk until our feet are screaming at us, no more, what are you doing? And you'll find us, you know, uh, by four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, stood on a bridge somewhere, just trying to get our arches from aching. We like to walk. We will do miles and miles when we do a city break. So it was Singapore, maybe the only time we're ever gonna go there awesome city, jet-lagged 10-year-old. How do you get a 10-year-old to walk 17 miles with jet-lag? Because that's what we did. 17 miles with a jet-lagged 10-year-old who wants to play on his Nintendo and not walk with mum and dad and look at weird oriental buildings. How do you do it? This is what we did. Zach, in one mile, there's a McDonald's. You get to the McDonald's, you have the McFlurry. Zach, in one mile, there's a water park. You walk that mile just with the water park in mind. Then you do the water park, you have a little rest. Zach, in one mile, there's a shopping center with a video game store. Zach, in one mile, there's air conditioning. In one mile, this is amazing cathedral. In one mile, there's this zoo. In one mile, in one mile, you don't face 17 miles in one go. Life is not about trying to embrace 17 miles. You'll exhaust yourself trying to get there as quick as possible. I love the story of the children of Israel. If you read the description, I think it's in Numbers, where it talks about the stages. Everybody say stages. The stages of the journey. Your week has to go in stages. Even your day should be 
stages? When do I pause? Your month, your years should have pauses. What have I been doing the last seven years? And now an adjustment. Do you have a narrative of your life, a picture, a psychological understanding of how your life is unfolding? And do you know what the pivot points and the pauses are in your life so that you have some sense of what's going on? That was my training phase. That was an adjustment phase. That was a little mistake phase, but we got back on track and now we're What is God doing with your life? How do you do 17 miles in Singapore? One mile at a time with a treat every mile. In the Bible, they call it Sabbath. Some people use the phrase, so on Sabbath, we pleasure stack. It's supposed to be a day when you do not think of work You do no work, you don't even think of work, you just admit there is a God and I'm not him. And I I worship him so much, I know how to rest and not feel that I have to be in control of everything and be on top of everything. I am not the king of my finances, my heavenly father is. I'm not the king of sorting out my kids who are going through a bit of a wobble, my heavenly father is. I'm not in control of my career, my heavenly father is, who loves me more than I could ever know, can give me any job he wants to give me. All I have to do is learn a life of cooperation and that includes knowing how to play the pauses. That there are moments in your life and they are holy and set apart for you to worship through rest. Let me say it again, you worship by resting. And so your soul is not hankering for a better car or a bigger TV. Some TVs are getting so big, there's gonna be no wall left, is there? I mean, it's just gonna be one, it's like walking into a cinema, welcome to my living room. You go, where's the popcorn for heaven's sake? It makes you happier for nine days. Then you realize it's still showing the same old rubbish. But our hearts hanker because we don't know how to rest. And so we burn out unless we learn that perseverance comes from taking life one stage at a time. And this means everything that we do is coming from a place of being loved and liked and not from a place of desperate pursuit of satisfaction amen so the first thing is everybody say perseverance perseverance wow here's the second one precision say precision thank you mate you're top top marks gold star precision accuracy do you know that to sin just means to miss the mark it's like an archer missing a target that's all it we think it means you know dirty evil that kind of thing. It doesn't. It just means there's a target and you've missed it. And that's what sinning is. Your life, your hopes, your dreams, your mind has a target that God wants to get you on. And when you miss it, it's called sinning. And so he forgives you of missing it so that you always got a chance to come back on target. And the pauses and the reflections that, that happen when we pause are those moments when we go, am I on target? I was doing some, I would call it prophetic consultancy for one of the biggest ministries in the country, multi million pound ministry in the UK. And this was only a few months ago, November, I think it was. And I was staying overnight. They've got this whole wing in their, in their ministry headquarters and it's, got, it's like a hotel in there and you go in. And so I was staying there overnight before spending a couple of days with their team. And on the first night, 
it, it, the first morning it was actually, I woke up and I'm getting ready and at nine o'clock I'll start by meeting their, their board of directors and spending time with them. And I'm sat on the end of my bed, finally prepping my little talk and ideas and what I feel God's saying to share with this board. And I, I look at, there's a digital clock on the little desk at the end of the bed and it says 8.09. I look at it and, you know, you just pass and glance. Red letters, 8.09, and I'm, I'm carrying on with my notes. And I, I look up four minutes later, 8.09. Carry on with my notes. Two minutes later, 8.09. And, and I'm there scribbling away and praying to God. And, and of course, I'm starting to look more and more, 8.09. The thing must be broken. The thing, what's going on? And then suddenly I look up, 8.10. And God speaks to me. And he says, this ministry is on pause. And I'm pausing for the sake of accuracy. And he showed me a picture of an archer straining with an arrow in the bow and pulling back. But the archers, can you picture this? The archers held the position to try and get accuracy just a little bit too long. So now his muscles are beginning to shake a bit and his breath's going a bit. And so the accuracy is going out. And, and, and what God was saying to me this ministry was doing was pausing, release the tension, shake out the muscles and get ready to go again so that you hit the target. Sometimes you've got to pause to shake out the muscles and make sure you're being accurate. Your life should not be non-stop go. You are more likely to miss the target if you don't know how to stop. But if we know how to stop and shake out the muscles and get, get that relaxed place of, okay, no, just let's go again. Not you, Nigel, I don't mean it literally. I got it right, right on the schnozzer, do you know what I mean? And, and a relaxed person is going to hit the target more accurately. If we're straining too hard to try and hit a target, we're more likely to miss it. So pausing is about precision and accuracy. Well, I share this prophetic word with this ministry. Um, both to the directors, uh, a, a room full of guys whose eyes all, uh, you know, lit up and went, oh, yes, please share that with all the team. Thank you very much. Uh, so I'm right, okay. My next meeting was a staff meeting with all their staff. And I shared the same word in my little experience in the bedroom. And they all sat there wide-eyed because they'd had this whole plan. Then suddenly they'd paused it for a little while. And the directors had gone, let's just hold that for a second because there's some things that aren't quite in place like we thought they should be. And so they paused. And I was saying, relax. Because what you want to do is hit the target. And, and some had been uh, uh, a, a little bit uncomfortable with the moment of pause. But now here's God saying, no, no, no. Pause because we want to find accuracy in God. And so we use pausing for precision. Everybody say accuracy. Come on, pray this with me. God, I don't want to miss the mark. As a man, woman, come on, whatever, just... Say whichever you are. Let's not get... As a man, as a father, as a family, in my work, in my church, with my money, with my mind, I don't want to miss the mark. So we're going to live calm, paused lives. Amen? So it brings precision when we pause. Here's a third one. Posture. Perseverance, precision, and good posture comes from, hello Lucy, comes from knowing how to pause. You've turned up to work late. I won't go into it. Have you had a nice time? Wherever you've been. No? Oh, have you? 
<laughs> I'd not seen you all morning. I thought she must be at another show somewhere. Shows how much I keep a track on things. She's been setting up all your lunches. Come on, thank Lucy. Everybody, because I didn't even know that. Shows what I know. I haven't got a clue what's going on half the time. We do love you. Right. Who's heard of this before? It's not the load. It's how you carry it. Okay. Anybody done the old... Uh, carrying big, heavy shopping bags. You've not bought toilet rolls and kitchen towel. You've bought bottles of water, right? You, you've bought, come on, mention something heavy. You, you know, now, what happens when you're walking? Who knows that you, you get 200 yards and what do you do? You, you pause and, you, and, and it's cutting into your hand here. So now you're going to try, you might try and get it into there or, or swap the hands if it's one. But you pause to adjust your posture so that you can keep going with the load because the load is starting to hurt you. And if the load hurts you, you're going to end up wounded. And if you're wounded, you're going to miss it. So you pause to adjust your posture. I remember once, uh, I, I can't even remember the circumstances, but I'd locked myself out of my office at work. And I can't even remember why, because I just remember the incident that followed. I had to get in that office quickly. Um, uh, and so I needed to essentially, and this was actually great. Come on, all the men go, yeah, do it anyway. I bashed the door down. But, 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 but here's the thing, right? I'm not exactly very big, am I? So uh, don't go there. Um, and and my, my office door was in a corridor, so I only had, what would it be? About three feet to take a run at the door. So, so the first time I kind of went, right, here you go. Oh, and I went, sure, boom, like that, and ended up on the floor in a heap. Okay, that wasn't going to work. So I'm like, let's just pause. This obviously needs a different kind of posture. And actually it needed some precision because there's only one way to really whack the door and have it open. There's only one spot you really need to hit and that's right by the lock, anybody? I'm guessing. So I leaned, now it's three feet wide this corridor, so I leaned my back against the, the thing and up came the foot and then that was it. Doosh! It popped open straight away. Different posture. Are you playing, are you, what, are you, are you, what are you playing on there? Candy Crush. Don't worry about it. It looks good anyway. Um, <laughs> what had gone? Is that all that's happened? Does that come up? Anyway, so listen, a different posture brings different power. We'll come to here comes Douglas to sort it out. Um, as you check, come on, let fo focus on me. Otherwise, we'll, we'll, we'll lose it. It doesn't matter about stuff like that. Um, uh, a different posture is going to change the power of what you can do. And sometimes you've got to pause to adjust your posture to go differently. You've tried to go in one shape, shall we say, and then you know, no, I've, I've got to do this different. Who knows? For instance, I, I, I know life is so different when it's lived confident versus fearful. Right? If, you, if you're going to sit and present the news and can't control fear the whole thing becomes not enjoyable and not smooth, I'm going to guess, right? But if I can go up there, just I have to do that with preaching. I have to stand up and go, if I get up there fearful, it's going to be bad for me and bad for them and God won't speak. Because fear will take over, it'll be the loudest voice in my head and so we're never going to get anywhere. But if I can stand up and go, even people like Spurgeon used to do this, he'd walk to the pulpit in his head, he had his routine, I bet you've got a routine. We have our routines, he walks to the pulpit going, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit because that's the only wiring in his mind. Sometimes you've got to change the posture of your mind 
which requires a Sabbath and a rest, in order to approach life from a stronger place. Uh, mine is I'll often come to the pulpit. Do you know what I'm saying in my head? In these days of pressure, when I know that you can go on the internet and watch Stephen Furtick preach. Oh. Anybody watch Stephen Furtick? Come on, pop your hand up if you do. Now, he is what is called too good. There's a word for it among preachers. It's called being so good, it's embarrassing to everyone else. T.D. Jakes, anybody ever heard T.D. Jakes? I remember sitting at the back of the O2 Arena at the Hillsong Conference, and it, it, what was his name? Is, Israel Houghton was leading the worship. Ah, oh, you know, none of us should ever sing after that man has sung. And T.D. Jakes got stuck in the black, black wall tunnel, goes under the Thames, I think. And so he was late, so Israel got an extra hour of worship. So we were there for two hours just worshiping. It was awesome. And then it was, we were there in the presence of God, about 15,000 people, and suddenly the whole atmosphere of the whole place changed, and it was like this thick glory just went through the hollow to arena. And I was at the very back, up in the gods, next to Vicky, and I said to her, oh, T.D. Jakes has just arrived. And, and, you know, 10 minutes later, he walks onto the platform and the whole thing's different. And then, anybody, anybody listen to this guy? He starts to preach. And he preaches for an hour and a half without wasting a word. He's not like me. He doesn't go off on silly rabbit, you know, runs and all this. Kind of, no, every single word is dripping with wisdom. And you, we got an hour and 45 minutes in. And me, who, you know, I love the Bible. I've heard every preach there is to do. I've heard old ones, new ones, young guys, old guys. I love it all. Listen to endless amounts of preaching. But I'm there after one hour, 45 minutes. And I can tell, oh no, he's trying to close. He's trying to stop preaching. And I'm at the back going, don't stop. This is better than a concert. Don't stop. Eventually he did close. I could have stayed there all night. He's that good. I can't even remember why I'm telling you that now. I've gone off on a rabbit one. You see, I'm just not as good as these guys. Which one are we on? Posture. I can't. But it was a good story, wasn't it? But anyway. Oh, no, I know what it is. I, well, I think I do anyway. I, w I was saying in these days, ah, I remember, thank you for reminding me, you knew what I was talking about. I remember that, that what do I say in my head as I come up? When I know you can watch T.D. Jakes and Stephen Furtick all week and you go, man, that's just, you know. Why go to McDonald's when you can go to a steakhouse? Do you know what I'm saying? So welcome to McDonald's. So I come up here because comparison is the thing that will kill your destiny. What do I say in my head so that, so that there's no nerves when I get up? I just want to help people. I just want to help people. I don't want to impress them. I want to help them. And if I've helped them, whether it's been good or bad or funny or not, if they go out helped, that's all I'm here to do. I just want, that's my routine. It's, it's, it's resetting my posture so that I come out strong. Have you got your routines for when you walk into work? when you walk into that classroom at school and you've experienced a bit of bullying, you should be using pauses to reset your internal posture so you go out strong. Because if you approach the school day fearful, it's going to go worse. If you approach it, no, I'm loved, and I refuse to take on board silly things that others say because of their hurt, and they do, you've got to realize, no, 
You need to pause to get your identity back, to know that you are loved and to reset that posture. Because life, you can live it two ways, you know? You can pull a car or push a car. Who knows that one's a lot harder than the other? Same thing, but pulling it is harder than pushing it. So you need to make sure you're pushing life in the right way. And that's what the pauses do. Slow you down and go, right, am I approaching this day right? Have I become overly concerned with, with, with the finances in my business? Or suddenly this whole legislation, or you know what I'm saying, take this into life. You need to live life confident that your heavenly father's got you. And that's what the pauses do. Sabbath resets you on the inside. Amen. The fourth one is productivity. Everybody say productivity. Wouldn't it be fun if the first four were P's and then I just put another letter at the end? Do you think preachers will ever do that? Well, I'm no Stephen Furtick, so it might happen by the time we get to it. We're just going to have to see. Productivity. <clears throat> I remember walking through Beverly, which is where we felt spiritually God has told us to be as a family. And um, I'm trusting that our home is going to be a house of prayer because, because something I believe is, do you know that Beverly is a, is a, 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 a historic hotspot for signs and wonders and miracles? And so I believe God has put us there and I won't share all the stories, but there's something spiritual going on and I know as a family we need to be leading from there. So we, we put ourselves there and we're gonna fill our house with praise and worship and it's not gonna be a normal home. We're trusting God that it's, it's full of the glory of God. Amen? And that's gonna bless the whole region. Um, and so we've moved there. You know, um, uh, maybe, maybe as much as a year ago, I'm walking through Beverly and there's a, a truck by the side of the road offloading a big square pallet. They're going to take it into a shop. It's called Watches of Beverly. I don't know if you know it. You know, you know, <clears throat> have you ever walked into a shop that's only got something like five watches in it? So you know you can't afford any of them. It's one of those shops, right? It's like five watches and there's not a price on any of them. Uh, so the, now the pallet that was being offloaded was a big, I think it was blue pallet. And the only word on the size, uh, side of this pallet was the word glory. I'm sorry, Pentecostal prophetic preacher. You're like, oh, right. And the van had written on the side, Bishop's Gate. I'm like, oh, hallelujah. I'll take that in Jesus' name. So here's a van with Bishop's Gate on the side and a big pallet of glory being offloaded and put into the back room of this shop. And I'm walking past and saying, God, what does that mean? And God says, I'm downloading glory in the secret places. I'm downloading glory in the, in the back rooms of people's lives. Do you know, we need to do what Jesus said, to know when to draw aside. Literally, he says, close the door. And that's not metaphorical. It just means have a room where you close the door or if you're in a coffee shop, you put your headphones on, you block out the world and you pause because it will transform your productivity. In the hustle and the bustle of the Israelites' journey through the wilderness, do you know that numerically, <clears throat> by all that happened as a generation died off in 40 years, it means there would have been 300 funerals a day in the Israelite camp. Now, if any, I've lived in and around Jewish people and um, let's just say they're not quiet, right? They're pretty passionate Mediterranean Jews, which is the atmosphere that I lived in for a while. And I know that one Jewish funeral is noisy. 300 Jewish funerals is interesting. So do you wonder why the Bible says that Moses took a tent and he pitched it away from the camp? 
He's like, oh my Lord, not another funeral. Right, we're out of here. And he had this little tent where he did what Jesus tells us to do a few thousand years later. He went in and actually the Bible says that God shut the door because the glory of God would shut him in and he'd be shut in with God in the secret place as the old song used to go. And the Bible shows us that in that secret place of pausing is where he got his power and glory to live life. The tent of meeting God, the tent of pausing with God became a place of glory and of friendship and of power and of grace. And ultimately then, so here we get our P of productivity, that he actually became more powerful because he paused, not less productive. People are experimenting with a four-day week, aren't they? It's quite interesting to see if productivity will go up. I'm sure there's some industries where it simply won't. But it'd be very interesting if some really do, that actually more focused work done in less time is more productive than just running ragged through the week. I don't know about the outcome of that, and I'm not trying to spiritualize it. But these are basically the principles. Sometimes you will do more because you've done less, because you're just doing what you do better. There's lots of things that we do that are just unfocused and unnecessary. We do them because we've always done them. We do things a certain way, and let's be honest, perhaps the older we get, the more it becomes of, I know this is the long way to do it, but it's the way I remember, <laughs> right? Pausing can actually increase productivity. In March 2020, at the beginning of the, the pandemic, I had this, this vision of a a racing car coming into a pit stop, but it had big old wagon wheels on it. I don't mean the chocolate bars, but it had, you know, like cowboy, aren't wagon wheels nice? Somebody found them. Was it this campus or Kingswood? I can't remember. Had an orange wagon wheel the other day. You're distracting me. And in this vision, the wagon wheels were taken off. I just envisioned the chocolate ones now. And a new racing car tires were put on and it screeched out the pit stop. And God said to me, what's about to happen to the church is a pit stop pause, but it's going to lead to acceleration. I, I believe we've been in a kind of a pit stop, a frustrating one for many for three years. But who's ready to pray? <laughs> Let's end this meeting in, in a bit of prayer. Uh, revive as a church. I'm ready for some breakthroughs. Anybody else? Okay, it's now time for pit stop to be blooming well over. And for some things to start to be released and downloaded and for some areas of ministry to grow and, 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 and for things to enter a new era in God. And I believe that's what is about to happen. And we need to pray, okay, God, come on. Winter's over. Let the springtime begin. It's time to have a bit of fun, isn't it? Time to have a bit of adventure and a bit of a, bit, bit of a laugh and a bit of a joy. I feel that like we've been in a pause from heaven. But let's pray, God, let it be breakthrough time. Amen. So pausing increases productivity. Um, it's completely different for everyone in the room. So all I'm going to say is, have a prayer life. You know, if you're a young mum and you've got three kids under three, I want to encourage you, just try and stay awake. Don't whatever you do spend your, those early years feeling guilty about how stretched in every direction plus the preacher wants you to have a quiet time. That's not it. You know what the quiet time is. I see it. Don't you remember it well? You can see a young mum or a young dad out certain times in the day 
baby's asleep. And they're like, whatever you do, don't come near my pram because I've finally got this one asleep. And I'm having, you know, the only prayer time you might get is that one to two hour nap at certain points in the day and you trundle out bleary eyed and the only prayer you've got is, oh God, help me. Get us through this. Because I don't feel as spiritual as I did five years ago. I, I don't, I, I'm not bubbling with scenes of revival. Sorry, Jared. I couldn't care what the prophets are saying. Stuff them. I just need to get through nappy changing tonight. And that's perfectly all right. There are seasons in life when you make it through and your father carries you. Because remember, it's not about you holding his hand. He's got yours. He's got yours. But then when life is in those times when it's easier to be properly shaped, have a prayer life in some way, whatever that looks like. Because those pauses will bring the final one, God's power. Okay, so it's perseverance, precision, posture, productivity, and power. In Luke 3 and Luke 4, <clears throat> we've got the story of Jesus about to start his ministry. Do you know that he didn't start with a wild ministry time or a revival service? He started with a pause. All that build up, 30 years of getting ready to do ministry. And the first thing the Holy Spirit says is, right, off to the wilderness. And really, you, you, he could have gone, I've been paused for 30 years. And now we're starting with a pause again in the wilderness, testing heart issues and working through stuff one more time before he's released into his full authority. Um, and the father goes, yeah, pausing is that important. And don't you find it amazing? <laughs> Who's been in their career more than 10 years? Come on, hands in the air. Cho You've been doing your job. You're... Wow. Who's more than 20? Anybody here? Ian and Lynn heroes on the front row. Wow. Oh, Mark. None of us would have milk without you, would we? You know. Any, anybody more than 30 years? That's me. Go on. Yeah, before you retired. Wow. We'll stop there because it'll get embarrassing for someone. Anybody more than 70 years? No, let's not do it. Uh, but here's the point. Jesus changed the world in three and a half years. It's just, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest miracles that actually his entire work was done in three and a half years that most of us, if we met, you know, 25-year-olds say, oh, I'm a bit tired. I've been doing my job a long time. How long have you been doing it? Three and a half years. Any grown-up in the room would laugh at them. What are you on about? You haven't started. You're in the wrong career if that's worn you out in three and a half years. Somehow... God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus the Son worked it out. We're not going to take too long over this one. Let's get it done quick because I don't want to be down there too long. It smells of sheep. Let's get in there. Let's get the work done. Let's get out. Dad, go to hell. Preach the gospel up to heaven. Pour out the Holy Spirit. Done. Three and a half years to transform the world. And he's still got pauses in there. I'll start with a six-week pause. I'll keep disappearing up mountains and I'll leave my mobile phone on, do not disturb. He knew how to pause even when he was only going for three and a half years. And the Bible says that when he came out of that first wilderness pause, that was the very first thing, thing he did in his ministry, God made the world then paused. Jesus started his ministry with a pause and then right, now we're going to change the world again. Isn't it incredible? That's how powerful pausing is. And the Bible says he came out of the wilderness and it's the first time the word is ever used in the power 
of the Holy Spirit. He had the infilling of the Holy Spirit of the Jordan, but six weeks later, he suddenly had, the word means authority. In other words, when I speak, things will change. And it all came from a pause. The reason we've got all the knowledge but little power is because we don't know how to pause and wrestle through heart issues with God. And so we're flinging ourselves at life, hoping that something works. And he's saying, just walk like a son. I've got you. There's nothing to prove. I've got you. Just keep little segments holy and set apart and you will live at more peace. I will help you with your finances. I can bring up your kids better than you can. Anybody. I can sort out your wife, your husband. I can sort out your shame and your guilt. Sort it all out. Oh, I've got to finish. So you get some of it from that. And so you'll all know it. Through the month of March, we're pulling uh, the Kingswood and the West Hull campuses together. And we're going to pause for the month of March. Google is going to join us sometimes. And we're going to draw everything together. I've just been hearing the words, you know, burnout, weary, need a break a few too many times. And so we're just going to be making some adjustments and stuff like that. Uh, but we're coming together for a pause. And so our teams can kind of cover for each other a little bit. There's going to be guest worship leaders, guest speakers. Let's have some springtime fun and go, God, let's shake out the arms and go, God, are we, we want to be accurate and relaxed and love sons. We're not flinging ourselves at life, trying to make things, trying to force things to work. We are walking with the pace of God. Come on, stand where you are. Um, so you guys don't need to do anything. It's just this room will be more crowded next week and I'm letting you know why. Listen to this. I wonder if Anna, the keyboard player, could you just give me one heavenly divine note? And your voice is lovely, Anna. That was great this morning. You did so well. Everybody close your eyes and listen to this. I'm going to speak a blessing over you. Just, just let his presence settle in your heart. There he is. Then we're going to go and have our lunch. Just settle. Yeah, just a little. Douglas, can Anna have a bit of noise? And then she can just gently, just like the prophets used to do, let your soul be soothed. That's it. The power of the pause. The power of the pause. The power of the pause. And listen to this. These are the words of Jesus in the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let those words settle on your heart. Unforced grace. We remove the ill-fitting things. Live freely. Live lightly. Not burned out on religion but knowing that we're the beloved of the Lord. And then just quietly begin to raise your voices in prayer with me as I pray to close the service. God, we do ask 
that this time in March, this, this springtime where the flowers are beginning to come through and the birds are singing in the trees a little bit more and the buds are beginning to come. God, would you do that for us as a church? We just pray that March would be breakthrough time in a new way. That we come together, not just for a little practical rest, but that there would be a revival infusion in our hearts. We've heard of revivals going on in different places around the world right now. And God, we, we, from our hearts we say, remember us. Remember Revive Church. Infuse us on our Sundays and our Wednesdays as we worship and pray and hear the Word of God. God, we pray that you would wake us up in a new way, that grace would touch our lives, that new rhythms would come into our pace. God, and we do lift up every individual home. This isn't about revival in church buildings. It's about revival in our home for our kids, some who are little, some who are grown up. Pour out a revival on our households. Pour out a revival on our marriages. Come touch us, we pray. Spirit of God, break this church through to a new place in you. Many of us feel humbled. Many of us feel a little broken, but you have not forgotten us. God, we pray that you would take us from glory to glory as we pause out of worship to you, as we pause in your presence. Just sing a little in tongues for a moment. And as you do, his spirit will just settle on your heart. Speak in tongues, sing in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, just, just whisper to God in English. Even if it's just, God help me. God speak to me. God show yourself to me. God reveal yourself to me. Let this be a new season, we pray. A new season in the church. And that means every one of us, our households, our minds, our children, our money and our hopes and our dreams. Some of you are being filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time right now. You've been asking for a while, but he's just settling on your heart in this atmosphere of grace. That's it. Some of you, there's been a cloud of depression over your, over your shoulders and over your minds. Right now, we lift that off in Jesus' name. You're a son, not a servant. You're allowed to rest. You're allowed to rest. Some of you, the enemy has tried to steal your confidence and God's bringing you that back right now. No more fear. No more fear. No more fear. You're going to build the pauses in life that make you confident. There's nothing you need to prove. The Lord is your shepherd. He's your helper. Some of you have been longing to hear God's voice. And I pray right now, God, I just, I pray that dreams would come to people even this week. Fresh dreams. Fresh dreams. Fresh dreams. Dreams from you. God, I pray that some people here would buy a fresh journal this week in anticipation that the voice of God is about to begin singing in their ears again in a way that for some it hasn't happened for a long time. Just the whispers of heaven, the feelings, the dreams again. And Spirit of the living God, breathe, breathe, breathe over every life. Deal with the weariness. We'll pause in your presence for the month of March. God, we pray that as a family there would be an infusion of grace in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. It's been wonderful to be with you. Anna, that was fantastic. Thank you very much.